What's happening, runners? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracks, the podcast, the podcast where we talk all things running. The highs, the lows, the ugly bits, and of course, everything in between. My name is Lloyd. I'm your host for today's episode, and welcome back to the show. It's been a little while since we've been regular with the uploads, but this is what you can now expect from us, Trackster. And we also have our new running show launching very soon from our new studio, so look out for that on your screen soon. On the show today is European under-23 10,000-metre champion Rory Leonard. He's tuning in from Fontremeau, where he's on a training camp right now, and he's just signed a professional contract with Poker. So we chat to Rory all about his uh, stint out in America at the uh, uh, Oklahoma State University. Got that right first time. We also chat about his new coaching setup with Andy Hobdell, and we also have some home truths that Rory so eloquently drops on us. So if you'd like to keep up to date with what tracks they're up to, please do head over to our Instagram and drop us a follow. That's where we put all of our news updates. And if you'd like to watch our longer form content, head over to our YouTube channel. And of course, you can check all of these episodes out at our website, Traxa.com. If you do love the show and you do enjoy today's episode, please do leave us a thumbs up and your reviews massively support the show. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Rory Leonard. Uh, right, if we have any problems, Rory, we'll just uh, we'll see how we go. But uh, hopefully, font Wi-Fi is, is decent. But welcome to the show, Rory Leonard. How are we? Hello, mate. I am doing all right. I'm in the mountains and whatever. Got some trees behind me. I'm having a good time. I've got the poor company of Henry McClucky, James West, and Kane Elliott, though. So that's bringing down spirits ever so slightly. But yeah, no, we're we're all good. Oh, mate. That's- that's tough going, but uh, hopefully you're surviving, mate. But uh, I also see you donning a tash, which is um, standard procedure for a trip to, uh, trip to Font. I did, I did see that you got a little bit of flack from from someone on social media. What, what was that all about? Yeah, Callum Elson was giving it large because he can't grow a moustache or a beard. Um, so it, <laughs> Callum came on there and was giving it, oh, you get rid of the moustache for the race, and then you've got the polar opposite of Dougie Musson, who's probably donned every single facial hair in the history of facial hair supporting me so yeah there was a good there was a good bit of back and forth on that post to be fair yeah dougie's been through uh facial hair actual head of hairs i mean he's had everything man buns tashes full on the lot and he's a massive advocate for font Romeo and and mustaches so no doubt he got got behind it but uh yeah don't don't rule out Callum Elson going to font and grind a tash Font does something to you, doesn't it? It certainly does, mate. I think it's it's something to do with like it, it's a mixture between like solitude, but then also like if anyone listening's ever watched The Shining, you know, it's peaceful for a while and then all hell breaks loose. But we haven't hit that yet, so it's been all right. But yeah, stunning place. Yeah, it's a mega it's a mega place for my moment. Uh, I went in two thousand and uh two thousand and eighteen, I think it was, but we were snowed in so badly. But what, oh. what's the weather been like since you've been out there? Mate, beautiful. We haven't had any bad weather. Um it's literally been like blue skies for the most part, no silly temperatures or conditions. We've literally had one thunderstorm and I think only Henry and Izzy Bat Doyle got caught out in that one. And so it's been great. We we've not had a bad day for like a workout or an easy run or anything. It's just been stunning. And I've got to ask. I know I know there will be, but come on, there's got to be some gossip that's come from the camp so far. You don't go to Font Remote and there's not gossip. What's what's been going down? Um, you know what? Not massive gossip so far. Our our, our apartment's been really good at um staying out of all that and just you know, everyone behaving themselves and sticking to training and all that kind of stuff. So uh, there was there was a little bit. I think some of Trevor's group uh, had some jackets stolen and in their jackets were their rental car keys and they never got the car keys or the jackets back and the cars are now stuck somewhere up on a hill. Um, and I think that, namely, Keeley might have been caught out in, in, in the jackets being stolen group. That's the last thing you need. Well, I heard that Henry's been making friends, which is which is good. So let's let's hope that uh, let's hope he's been training hard, uh, you know, alongside his uh, extracurricular activities. Moving on. So, in terms of uh, our listeners, Rory, for anyone that's not aware of who you are, do you want to yeah. introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, so I'm Rory Leonard. Been running for a while. 
um, starting when I was about sort of 16, 17, uh, got indoctrinated into the sport. Um, got a lot of early success, uh, which was interesting being sort of like 17 and getting some sort of GB vest and sort of being thrown in the deep end that way. Um, and then, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. I moved out to America, um, went to Oklahoma State for a little while, uh, and I'm recently now based back in the UK. Uh, and yeah, I think that's that's an overview of the story. Um, no, I think I do running. Start. Yeah, that, that, that's okay. That's solid, mate. Yeah, we're going to get into a, a lot of that in terms of uh you know your, your history in the sport your your trip to america and your, and your stint out there on a scholarship and then what you're up to now so uh we'll start at the beginning i yeah. know that uh, you've got a lot of history in the sport through your family but where did your journey start with sport not necessarily athletics were there any other sports you played or was it always athletics from day dot and, and how did that all start for you yeah growing up in the northeast it's just football like that that was i just just played football from being like well as soon as I could kick a ball, I, I was playing football, playing for the local team, playing like for school, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was, you know, I probably did that up until sort of like 15, 16. And there was a crossover sort of time when I was running and playing football. But yeah, really just like played football and loved it. And being from the Northeast, like it's such a strong area for football. Like the chances of you actually making it are like so slim. Um, and so you do see that quite early because you play. I was playing with a guy called one of my mates, Jack Young. He now plays for Wickham, but he played for Newcastle for like years. Um, and it was quite, it was quite nice having him having him around because it was a bit of a reality check. It's like however good I thought I was at football, like that guy was unbelievable. Um, and so yeah, I played football up until probably sixteen. Had a bit of a crossover where. I'd be going to football training, then rocking up for a road session with Morpeth Harriers with like the younger group. And around that time, even then the group was kind of silly. Like Scott was good around that time as well. And we had James Young before he got good. Um, and yeah, so meeting those guys and transitioning from football to that made it pretty easy because of the people. And what was it about going down to Morpeth Harriers? What, what was the, how did that, transpire you didn't just wake up one day and think oh, i'm gonna go down to a running club was it was there anyone around you that sort of urged you into it uh to be fair i had a couple like friends in school who ran and i thought it was a dreadful idea like just the thought of going out and going for a run it looks hard cross country was difficult in pe like why would you do that as a hobby like why would you go out and do that every day kind of thing i had a couple of mates who were good at it who were at the club uh, a lad called Joe Dowd, who'd gone to English schools 800, was one of my close mates. And I was getting sick of football, and he was like, well, you know, like, your parents were pretty decent at running, so why don't you sort of give it a go? And I was a bit apprehensive to do it, because, again, <laughs> from from the outside perspective, I think running looks like a bit, of a, a bit of a dreadful sport, doesn't it? It's just hard. It just is hard for everyone. And so, yeah, I, I then went down with him for a club night once and like the people were just lovely um i wouldn't say i enjoyed it straight away uh i was having my ass handed to me in workouts as i should be really like going there from the get-go i should be having that done but like just the people were so nice and it was such a contrast to like football culture that um it was kind of addictive and the running itself was addictive as well as kind of uh the nice people within the sport who i was meeting from the get-go um and yeah that was kind of how that transition began talk to me about your parents already you mentioned that they've got uh, obviously careers themselves as runners good runners themselves i'll let you explain that better than i probably can but what role have they played in your athletic yeah they they've been brilliant actually from start to finish they never pushed me into the sport like i say they were not the people who pushed me into the sport they actually thought i was mad for saying that i was going to go and do it i was like a proper dimitar berbatov type football player lazy decent but lazy and so they were like there's no way this kid's gonna go out and enjoy running it's hard um and yeah they were never pushy about me getting into the sport um and again, they always thought like I probably wouldn't do it, but they were great runners back in the day. Like 
my dad ran a 2808 on the roads, uh, 1980 conversion. So, you know, it's either 100 meters long or 100 meters short. Um, and my mum was a very, very like talented cross country runner. She ran well at like NCAs. They both went to Arkansas. And yeah, my dad ran 13, 35, 2808. He ran the Athens Marathon hungover in like 216, I believe, which is a tough one in itself. He, he likes that one. Um, and yeah, so I've always had good guidance. Like I've always had good people around me and knowledgeable people around me. And that definitely, uh, like in terms of athletics, that, that was definitely a bit of a silver spoon um, aspect of it where like not only were the genetics just there from the get-go, but like the knowledge of how to get good fairly quickly was also there. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose that's kind of the backstory on my parents a little bit. Yeah. You mentioned uh, your club, Morpeth Harriers. They've got a great history of, in, of endurance runners over the years. Uh, when you first went down to the club and in those early years, what, what was the setup like? Were you classic sort of Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sessions or were you running with them more regularly? You mentioned Scott Beatty was there as well. What, mm. what was it like? Yeah, so we were Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Uh, Monday night was road night. We'd rock up to the clubhouse at about 6.30. Then uh, our coach at the time, Mike Bateman, who's like a club stalwart, just, he did, he's done so much for so many uh, younger people at that club. Like he got, you know, the first year or so of my career, Scott's career, James Young, so many of these guys, like he got us in there and kept us in there. But yeah, we would rock up on a Monday. Mike would pick a road loop in Morpeth that we all knew pretty well. And then we would go there, he'd drive over, he'd give us the workout and then everyone would be handicapped and mm -hmm. um, her rep. And it was like, you know, whoever set off last was like the man kind of thing. And obviously early doors, that was Scott. And so from a young age, I would have had Scott flying past me in like reps, just coming out of absolutely nowhere. Um, and then Wednesdays we'd be on the track and Saturday we'd do a grass session. And then as time went on and as a group became a little bit closer, Sundays we started running together sort of over at mine. So I lived like kind of in the middle of nowhere, but it was, it was beautiful for running. So some of the lads would, uh, would come over that way. Uh, so yeah, like me, Scott, James, um, and quite a few others in the group would, would be doing that weekly really. And then the only kind of switch that we would have is, getting down to the local Harrier leagues on the Saturdays and swapping that for the grass session. Um, and yeah, and there was always a great emphasis on the grassroots side of things. Like we were at national road relays, Northern road relays, national cross relays. Like we were always at those and we always ran and performed well, like under 17s, under 20s, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, that was more Harriers. And in those early years, Rory, were there any challenges that you faced within the sport? Um, any any obstacles you had to face to get over at all? Yeah, like I think it's a weird one actually because I think for a, sort of a year of the sport, I just sort of enjoyed myself, had fun, was a little bit oblivious, and then I got really good over one winter, and then I was racing for GB at European Youth that that next summer, and so I never actually learned how to race, and so what I've kind of figured out now in like my running career is I've sort of worked backwards from there weirdly. It's like each year I've been trying to figure out how to actually race on the track. And I think it showed this year that I've only just figured out how to use my strengths and weaknesses and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I would say getting good, like young is, is difficult and then keeping it going. You know, when I started, there was so many guys better than me and many of them have quit many of them have left the sport it's a tough sport to stay in uh so i'm quite lucky in that sense but yeah definitely kind of got thrown to the wolves pretty early but and it's taken me sort of three four years to actually catch up with my fitness to an extent like i i know it's there but i don't really know how to use it um but yeah i'm just about there with that now and then Life hardship, same thing as a lot of people will have, you know, like losing family members, losing friends, um, kind of went through a sort of 18 month period where like that was pretty, pretty rough. Uh, just kind of like lost my best friend, lost a couple of family members. And that was just another thing that was, uh, 
you know, something that I had to learn to deal with. It's not, it's not nice for anyone to go through those things, but it's going to happen to everyone. Sadly, like you're going to lose people close to you. And it, and it definitely was a bit of a grown up moment and uh, a real kind of thing where it's like life doesn't wait for anyone. So you can, you know, struggle and it's okay to struggle. It's good. It's good to struggle. And it's good to talk to people close to you. But then within that, you've got to get back on the horse pretty quickly. Yeah, that was my next question. You kind of already answered it, but it was how how have any of those challenges moulded you as a person? Do you want to do you want to explain in your own words how you reckon? Yeah, that 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 process has taken place. How do you feel those challenges that you've overcame from losing friends, family members, having struggles in the sport now has moulded you as a person off of the track and off of the race racing start line? Yeah, it's been definitely interesting. I feel like you never prepare for these things. Um, and so they definitely come at you and then you just have to sort of like deal with them as they come. And I think for me, it was like one after the other for quite a while. So it actually took, it was like, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm dealing with this okay now, it's fine. And then another like pretty awful thing happened. I was like, right, we're not back down a little bit. And so I think for me, it's made me realize like all in all, running is a hard sport, but dealing with other things is a lot harder. Being out in Font Rameau is easy. Doing my mileage out here is easy. It's a it's a a gift and it's like a complete privilege that I'm able to go come out and do it. Um and yeah, so just just having a like a more macro view of the world where I think as runners we're quite good at um just thinking about our own little career and 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 running and thinking like, you know, if you have a bad session, it's the end of the world. If you have a bad race, it's the end of the world. It's like, well, you know, it's not because a lot a lot worse could be going on um and yeah and then i also think like life hardships although an awful thing to go through it it kind of shows what the individual can handle i think everyone is capable of way more than they think they are uh and sometimes it takes for a really awful situation to prove that you're pretty robust like you're pretty strong you can kind of deal with the the weight of the world on your shoulders when you don't think you can um and so yeah kind of shows you you've got you know maybe you're a bit a bit tougher than you thought you were i love that so well you mentioned in that in sort of intro there that you you, you did a stint out in america you went to a scholarship in the NCAA in uh, Oklahoma state university following in the footsteps of your parents who were at arkansas um what was the decision behind that and, and talk us through the whole process of you know the first time that it sort of came across your desk and then when you eventually committed mm. uh yeah i mean i had a very weird kind of journey into the nca to be honest like initially i did all my visits when i was like what, 17 18 committed to arkansas which is where my parents went um quite a lot of that decision was probably that my parents went there Fayetteville's a very cool place we've still got family friends there and stuff and so in like 2018 I committed to Arkansas and uh I mean all in all the coach kind of did me over a little bit where he the August I was supposed to fly out he was like hey let's let's hold off until January and then we don't have to use your eligibility for cross country in the first year um and I was like that sounds like a good idea. That's, I can't see how that wouldn't work in my favor. And then booked my flight for Boxing Day. Um, and he called me up again and was like, hey, let's let's just like do August. Like, let's just wait another six months kind of thing. And um, you'll be a year stronger and this, that and the other. And I was like, I, I understand where you're coming from and I get it. But I've put my life on hold now twice. And, you know, we've booked flights. I've I've got excited to be there and stuff and I don't like the way it's been handled. Uh, mm. And so, so then I just kind of called it quits then with the NCA. I was like, I don't, I don't want to go through this process. I'm just going to stay in the UK and then enrolled in Loughborough. Uh, plan was to be coached by George Gandhi. Um, and, you know, awfully George Gandhi died a few months into getting to Loughborough. And so then I was left in Loughborough kind of coachless a little bit um, in the middle of the pandemic. And so it was quite tough to be on it with running there. And then Dave Smith, my coach at OSU, who 
in fairness to him was so persistent during that time and he was emailing me and he was calling me and he was like you know there's a place at osu and i left it raced the comeback um with uh with yourself commentating and i spoke to him not long after that and i was like i think i think i need to come out i think i need to come out to the states and i need to have this kind of stage and this this chance and he said yeah there's a scholarship here um if you want it come to osu and like fair play to dave he got he, he made a lot of things happen in a short amount of time and got me out there um and yeah so i had quite a rocky journey into the nca but we've got there in the end yeah got there in the end indeed and let's talk a little bit about osu again great great university a lot of history of fantastic distance runners over the years um how long were you out there in total at that university i was actually only there for just over two years um okay. i got my yeah i went in like 21 and then i left in 23 uh and again to like an outside perspective i imagine i look like a relatively erratic person in terms of setup and life and stuff like i can i can definitely see that from uh where i'm sat that that's that's kind of like a perspective that people might have uh but yeah it was it was great for what i needed it to be for two years um and I love that. I love the people on my team. I love some of the coaches and a lot of the kind of technical staff. And it taught me that, like, it taught me how to get good at distance running, like for sure. Like, if you want to be good at 10K, you want to be good at 5K, 10K upwards, that there's a lot of running that you need to do kind of thing. And I think before I got there, maybe I hadn't quite realized exactly what the workload was going to be. And so I'm really grateful for that because now, like, in terms of mindset, it's put me in a perfect place uh, for what for where I need to be going forward and trying to make teams five five k ten k and then eventually half marathon marathon. So the setup out there, Rory. I mean, a lot of time when people discuss the American scholarships, they talk about how great the facilities are and all that bollocks. Yeah. And I kind of get bored of hearing yeah. it, but I'm really a bit oh, more like yeah, about rubbish. yeah, how great how green the yeah. grass is, but yeah. You, you've said to me, and you've said to me before, and you've also said just now, yeah, you realised how, how much running was needed to be done to get good at 5K, 10K and beyond. Talk mm. us through how your training changed from what you were doing previously, you know, maybe in Loughborough and, and, and before then, and then to the point where you were at your fittest at university. What what was it you were doing? Do you want to talk us through your training? That would be, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, firstly, what you're saying about facilities completely right we've had this conversation before but it's like if you've got a nice place to go out and run you've got a 400 meter track that's oval shaped and a coach who's telling you good things to do you'll be fine and if you genuinely like if that if she or he say who are coaching you care about you then you're in a good place it's not going to get much better than that um so yeah my training changed like twofold because my mileage went through the roof like and i stopped training hard sounds weird to say but it was like it was a lot of mileage sub-maximal um and you know at osu like we um we would do i mean our blueprint was tuesday four mile tempo on the track usually the front group like me mayor victor a few other people would do like four mile two mile one mile on the track or even four mile three mile two mile one mile on the track uh thursday would be like a 10 12 mile run and then like eight by 200 at the end of it at like 30 and then saturday was like pretty much always a 10 mile tempo on the cross country course and like we also warmed up and cooled down four miles for everything so like you were racking up mileage on that tuesday and saturday before you even were thinking about it and then we were running, you know, I was getting like, there would be a lot of weeks where I would run only five days, but I would run like 90 miles. Um, but I was, I was low mileage when I got there, you know, I, I got myself up to 80 in my first year and I was low mileage. Everyone else was on like 110. And I don't think that's like, that's not a blueprint for everyone. That's not like run a hundred miles a week. I'm certainly not saying that because I don't right now hit a hundred like all the time. And so I got out there, I got to study people like Alex Mayer, who's run 13.11, and Victor, who's run like an 8.25 for 3K steeple, and Isai Rodriguez, 27.40. And I train with them every day. 
and then you start to see really like what makes them good uh, and not only that i was told some pretty hard truths from like dave you know i'm me and dave didn't always see like massively eye to eye about certain things but like he was good for me in terms of just being brutal about certain things like he like he told me exactly what i needed to be doing and if i wasn't doing enough he'd tell me what i did need to be doing and i listened because he's got a history of coaching athletes to do well and getting them to run well and i you know people like that you listen to and that's why you go there and so i managed to get better at running because i listened to a lot of what he told me um and watching the guys who are already good around me uh however i'm also a big proponent for like the nca isn't for everyone osu isn't for everyone um you know it, it only worked for me for two years and then i could see the the signs that i needed to not be there um and yeah so in terms of uh when you're training alongside these guys that you could sort of monitor and just you know almost take inspiration from that far faster than you at the time and they're just fantastic runners what were if you were to sort of summarize what they were doing what was it that they were doing that you looked at and you were like i need to do that it's interesting everyone they all the great thing about them was that, again there was no like absolute blueprint but you could take bits from all of them and it's funny like i'll start with isai rodriguez because like isai was an absolute enigma like it's a like you look at that guy and you see the way he trains and runs and you're like how the hell is this guy as good as he is his was that he just didn't think to be honest like he just didn't he didn't stress he didn't worry about things and he just sort of he let the training happen he accumulated the days and then he got to race day and he was like yeah i've done it all so i'm gonna go out and do it cool and that was a great thing he didn't overthink anything sometimes i was a bit like you don't think enough man like you've got to think a little bit more but like that was that was a great thing to learn and then alex mayer i learned a lot from alex mayer uh, recovery you know he took recovery hard like running is everything to alex as you know it is for me as well but watching the way that he like he finished a workout he was recovering straight away he was going home you know he was getting back he was resting um he was getting ready for his next run he was optimizing his body however he needed to to do that i look at victor victor just slept all the time like vic would he do a workout he went home he slept that guy was like run eat sleep that was it and he recovered hard and that's how those guys could do 120 miles a week and still be able to handle the volume of workouts during that like recovery was everything and absorbing the work as well and being smart about how their injuries came up how they avoided the injuries we had great athletic trainers at osu and prehab for me i don't do gym but i do prehab so like a lot of theraband work and that is kind of what saved a lot of us there because we don't do gym at OSU. Like the distance runners don't do any gym um but what we do is like a lot of theraband work to avoid injuries and optimize like if you're running 100 miles a week like what needs to be strong so that you don't break down now you mentioned that you were doing you know 90 miles a week or whatever across five days mm. what was the decision to be training say five days and and what were you doing on the other two days yeah well it was kind of dave was like come on if you want to be good let's get up to 90 for god's sake like if you if you can't do 100 yet let's get up to 90 and although i you know i was like ah, i don't want to make the jump too quickly like fair enough but i was like well tuesday i'm doing a four mile warm-up get on the track four mile two mile one mile tempo and then a four mile cool down if i double in the afternoon and get five in then you know i'm getting like close to 20 thursday if i'm doing a 10 12 mile run and then eight by 200 and then i double again well i'm nearly at 20 there saturday if i'm doing a 10 mile tempo with a four mile warm at four mile cool down i'm at 18 and if i double again i'm at 22 23 so three days you can accumulate a lot without even kind of thinking about it and i don't know if people would say that warm cool downs junk mileage but for me any impacts impact um and so i found myself getting upwards of like I mean, you're getting close to 60 miles in three days, in three of those days. And so because of that, the other days were recovery. And whether that was just running three days or two days at like 10 with a double, I would take the two days or the one day off a week as like pure recovery. I wouldn't cross train or anything, you know, I'd done a lot of work that week. And so I made sure that my like bones were intact and my muscles were intact. Like I wasn't pushing the pen too much and 
and getting close to injury like it will sound a lot saying like i did you know five days at five or six days 90 miles a week but like that was the way that i could maximize training and also maximize recovery um i needed a day off at least yeah. while i was doing that kind of stuff yeah fair enough that's that's, that's a smart a smart answer mate and with you doing that sort of mileage rory putting in the legs it's been a few years now you've been doing that it's probably become the norm mm. now um how through your eyes as the athlete how do you foresee getting better is it a case of keep doing what i'm doing or just put my face in my coach like what how do, how do you process um because what i'm trying to say is and you can probably relate to this as most runners can we're always looking at what other runners are doing and always thinking right do i do more and more and more or do i just keep doing what i'm doing but but hopefully eventually get better at it yeah i think it's weird i think you should if you're going to buy into a process like I don't want to use the word blindly. It's not the right word, but like, if you're going to commit to a process, like commit to it. I have been someone in the past who looked at what other people are doing. Like, whoa, should I be doing that? Like, you know, a lot of people now look at Jakob and they're like, well, Jakob's doing double threshold. It's like, well, how many in that world 1500 final are doing double threshold? Like not all of them. And also like, we've heard that Jakob did like what, seven, eight hundreds in like 152. So he's not just double thresholding. Like, that's kind of it's part of but yeah i think it's good to not you can't be concerned with what other people are doing because you can't replicate what everyone else is doing and what works for one person doesn't work for you and so for me now moving to andy like that's 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 a 10-year plan it's like we, we've got we've, we've got the te we've got 10 years laid out we've got you know two even three olympic cycles that we that we want to get at and so yeah, I think the big thing is find someone who like genuinely cares about you and has some sort of like longevity plan and then buy into it. And runners, are, I think anyone can find the concept of like instant gratification hard of like not having instant gratification because it's like it's a hard sport and you're not being rewarded for it straight away normally. Um, and so... I think it's like you, know, you might you might have to be doing you might have to go at it for 18 months of doing like 90 miles a week and it's going to feel dreadful at times and but eventually you'll get there um and it's not one size fits all some people get success quicker than others but uh yeah i think trusting the process which is such a gimmicky phrase i know i hate saying trust the process but like buy into whatever you're buying into uh and believe in it because if you half buy into something or you three quarters buy into something then you never you're always second guessing yourself second guessing your coach and you're never going to succeed that way you're now professional athlete for hoka coached by andy hobdell you mentioned andy there for our listeners that aren't professional runners talk us through how that all happened how it all transpired to the point when you signed the contract yeah it was it was mad like th this this one was great like this this one was really fun because there's a lot of people in hoka who uh i sort of greatly appreciate sort of like chris rainsford who is uh like the emea kind of like athlete manager for hoka is a brilliant guy with a lot of great ideas uh, and is a very he's a good runner himself and i remember i'd come back from the us and he well coming back in the US, I was pretty much like decided that I wasn't going to go back to OSU. I was just trying to figure out what the sort of setup was. And I get a text from Chris one day. It was after national under 23s. I'm like second in the 5k. It wasn't a great run, but enough for me to get picked for Euros. I get a text from Chris and he's like, I've got an idea. Have you got, you know, 20 minutes tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Called me up, talked about a few ideas, uh, Hoka related and some really exciting stuff that's like that is in the pipeline as it stands um and it was one of those opportunities where i was like oh my god like i've got to i've i've got to get involved in this um and they offered me a contract before european under 23s um and it was lovely that they moved on it as quickly as they did and they were as keen as they were um and again knowing and trusting the people inside the brand already i was like this is a no-brainer for me and so i told dave that i wasn't going to go back to osu and then like fairly soon after signed with hoka and yeah i think 
it definitely wasn't like a typical way you know a lot of people kind of like get an agent agent goes out to the brand say like how much you're going to pay my athlete and then it's a bit back and forth from there but like for me it was relatively direct uh with chris uh and with hoka itself i did then sign with sam at head start and sam's just a great guy I, there's like not many other people who i think you can have an agent and know as personally and so for me that was a no-brainer where i know like he's you know he's not had the agency for that long and whatever but like he's a good guy he means well and i trust him and so that was kind of that and then yeah we uh we got going with hoka and part of that well not like part of the, the contract but um andy's name was kind of like in the in the hat in terms of coaches and going forward and stuff and that integrated really well with hoka and what's gonna be happening quite soon had a lot of communication with andy quite a few phone calls and like the biggest thing for me weirdly with andy was like <laughs> we got on the phone and he's lovely he's a fantastic guy and he was like we need to get you 1500 down <laughs> i was like yeah thank god for that because wherever else i've gone uh like at osu it was kind of like well once you're done with college you're going to be in the half marathon probably pretty marathon fairly soon after and it was nice having a coach kind of come and be like no you've got a lot of you've got a lot of kind of stuff to do in the lower distances before we even think about that and so his longevity plan is fantastic and he believes in me and so yeah the whole the whole kind of like hoka package has just been fantastic excellent excellent and running going well for you at the moment where we obviously you're on a training camp in font remote but prior to that some big results so far in the early early part of the winter some good results on the road um, road circuit with the relays is there any is there are there any specifics in training that Andy's introduced or anything differently you've done in the last few months that has sort of contributed to you being in such good nick or is it more just consistency? Uh definitely a lot of consistency, but a lot of kind of confidence boosting stuff from Andy for sure. We also do we do a lot of steady running, so like a lot of my mileage is sub six. Um and I don't know why, but my body seems to respond really, really well to doing that. Uh, and so, you know, I'm still doing kind of like 90 miles a week, but a lot of it is at sub six. Um, and our workouts, there's a lot of pace variation, uh, a bit of faster work, but then also like a lot of threshold. And I feel like all the bases are covered. Uh, so it's not kind of like, you know, some people talk about coaches where there's like one philosophy, but actually you know, I feel like Andy's philosophy is making sure that you've got every base covered. And so, yeah, I think a lot of the pace variation work has been uh, key in terms of getting me to races. But then also there's some key sessions, you know, I did like four by 2K uh, where every rep was run differently uh, in terms of lap splits, but the, the end product of every K was like a five, uh, every, every 2k rep with like 522 523 and it's been it's been able to every now and then pop out a session like that where i'm someone who quite enjoys kind of having some sessions to back it up before i go into a race and so yeah that's i suppose that's it we've had some sessions that have got my head mentally in the right place and then just accumulating quite a lot of fitness doing doing the sort of daily daily routines that we do so what's next for you on the horizon? I've, I've, I've seen a few things on social media, a couple of races you've got lined up, but uh, yeah, what, run us through what your next sort of confirmed race schedule is. Yeah, I've got Bordeaux 10K on Sunday, uh, which should be good. It's pretty, it seems like a pretty flat course from what I can see online. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to have a good hard run out there. Uh, there's a few like 208 marathon guys who are, who are going. There's kind of, I think Habs, the 330 guys, run like 2840 on that course. And I'd like to think that I'm a bit sharper than him over 10. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I'm just going to go out and hammer it, to be honest. Like, it's one of those I've kind of realized that my running style does benefit. I've, I've even realized in the relays, like, just absolutely slamming it early doors and going for it and getting after it early is, is, is a way that I like to run. And so I won't be afraid to do that at the weekend. And then back at Liverpool, um, 
Liverpool will be a bit, a bit of a different one. You know, there's, going to, there's a few names in the hat that are going to be kicking around. Obviously, Zach's running very well at the moment. Scott's going to be good. Um, Mark might race. So it's going to be a stack race at Liverpool. Um, and then after that, ideally Euro cross. Kind of, I feel like, I don't want to say barring disaster because that under 23 age group right now is pretty strong. But uh, I'd love to back up my winner uh, in the 10K Euro under 23s with a winner cross. I'd love for that to be like my age group kind of career done and then into the seniors with two golds. There's no better way for me to do that. And so, yeah, obviously first things first, make that team go over there. And then New Year's Madrid 10K, we think. Uh, so another pop. I'd I'd like to say that I I would like to break the under 23 10K record on the road at some point. Uh, but there's not very long to do it, uh, so we'll see. What is that twenty? Uh, that under twenty three ten k record. What's that stand out at the moment? It's twenty seven fifty eight on the roads, which is sharp. Um, but I, you, you say twenty seven fifty eight. So, uh, I've forgotten his name. I've, that's really bad that I've forgotten his name. But it, it's one of the it's one of those names that like it's not. You know, like, if it was Mo, like you'd know it was Mo kind of thing. But he was a, a guy. He's from the nineties. I've forgotten his name. That's really bad. I should know that because it's the record that I'm gonna go after at some point. But yeah, I think you know. I, I don't think I'd love to say twenty seven fifty eight is kind of doable because I'd hope so. Because by you know if if the Olympic standards say the same, like if if 2028 it's 27 flat like you know hopefully i'll get within the sevens at least so yeah i'd like to get down to those numbers sometime soon yeah i'm just trying to see if i could find who that record is held by i mean if you if you have a stormer you can just bypass that one and shoot straight for julian wonders 27 25 european under 23 10k road road, road record God, that that's that's pretty sharp as well, isn't it? Can't you? <laughs> so, do you want to talk us through what is a what's an example of a training week look for you right now? Fun. So Monday through Sunday, um, yeah, as much detail as you possibly can give. Yeah, of course. So uh, Monday's Hobdor special, sixty minutes easy. Uh, what's easy though? Uh, we've been good at keeping our easies easy. Me, me and Westy plod around the trails here. So we're like, we're, we are sort of about probably 650 mile in by the end of it, but we're going out at like 710s, 715s, brawling around um, early doors. And then, you know, we, we might get into the 630s at the end if we're really rolling or whatever. Um, and then that's a big recovery day. Come home, get a, get a big we've, we've eaten the same lunch every single day it's been a poached egg avo toast westy poaches the eggs i smash the avo it's like an old married couple it's lovely um tuesday we're looking at usually a track session or like a kind of like a road ish session um we started out kind of doing like thresholdy stuff when i got here so it was like three by two miles um sort of 450s 455s this is my first hour two camera, so I have I had to be careful early doors that I didn't sort of put myself in the bin because you know people people can do that out here. Uh, and then Wednesday, uh, well, sorry, Tuesday, like some sort of track session like that. And then in the afternoon, I'll double, kind of five easy. Wednesdays usually a ten in the morning, maybe a five in the afternoon. Um, Thursday again we've been doing like another kind of tempo uh, or a steady run. As I said before, we do quite a lot of mileage at sub six. And so my steady runs are pretty much like LT1. So kind of 535s, 540s. And so sometimes I go out and do one of those or yeah, like a longer tempo session. Friday, usually another kind of 10 easy, maybe a five in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. uh, Pretty, pretty recovery based. And then Saturday, we've been doing threshold and tails whilst out there. Um, and so that'll be kind of like two mile tempo, 10 by 30 second hills, two mile tempo, which has been, you know, it's been a great place to do that. Hills hurt up here. Hills are not easy up here. 
Uh, and then Sunday long run, which is usually we kind of, I'll do 15 miles at six flat by the end of it. Um, maybe a little bit quicker, uh, kind of down into the 540 by mile eight and then kicking around there for the rest. And that's been a, a pretty much the training weeks here. Uh, I have also had like on Tuesdays, I've swapped out, we swapped out a tempo for like a, one of Andy's sessions that we like to do is two by five by 800 um alternating paces again like first evens and odds will be different uh, and i quite enjoy those um and so yeah i'd say at altitude that's been pretty much our our weekly kind of kind of structure and you mentioned earlier in the in the conversation about when you was at osu about doing a lot of prehab stuff uh and not mm. doing snc is that still the case yeah, I still use, so uh, my my athletic trainer when I was there was a lady called Kirsten Nagy. She's now at Duke, uh, but she gave me, she taught me through all of the prehab stuff that I know in terms of TheraBands and most of it's for my glutes because I've got dreadful glutes and my lower back, everything just goes if I don't do it. Yeah, it's not good. It's really not good. And so she gave me a, like a great, thing and then also like anti-rotation stuff uh which is good because some people might have seen it in my running when i get tired this bloody left arm gets right the way across my body when i'm trying to run uh and so yeah she gave me a big prehab plan that i did weekly at osu and it slowly slowly progresses just to like you know harder theraband stuff etc cetera, etc cetera. and i stick to that now i do that twice a week uh because if i don't like i'll just get injured i'm not an injury prone person but uh i get a lot of agitation in my like piriformis if i'm not on top of very certain things it's the only part of my body that plays up but like i know how to handle it so if that flares up it's because i've been lazy and i kind of know that and what about what about cross training has cross training ever been something you've dabbled in or incorporated into your training it's not um it's not actually I've, I, and I think maybe that's touch wood. Um, I've, I'm just lucky that I've not been injured and not had to figure out how to cross train. Uh, but I think because my mileage has increased by like five or 10 miles every year, I've never overdone it. So I've got to 90 like fairly organically. Um, and I've never jumped too much where I've had to then get injured, get cross training. And so I've just never felt the need to supplement mileage because for whatever age i've been it's sort of made sense with the mileage and i've always known like i've got to progress mileage wise it's just kind of give it a bit of time um and yeah so i've always let my body handle the load of whatever that mileage is uh on my body i mean i think cross training is a brilliant thing so many people like literally get by with cross training you know like it, it it's clearly an essential part of some people's training but for me i just i just run and hopefully right, it stays that way because at some point I'll probably have to figure it out. But for now, I'm doing for now. okay. What would you but, what would you say your biggest athletic achievement is to date? Ooh. Uh I'd love to say European under twenty threes. Uh winning that ten K because I was like that most of that season was just an absolute mess. That was where like a lot of mine and Dave's relationship was just sort of like a nightmare. Um, and it just, it, it led to that first sort of quarter of the year and a little bit later, just not being great running wise and running 2820 was a bit of a lifeline in terms of Europeans, but like, I got back to the UK and I dropped out of three races over there because I've been running with a chest infection for ages and I still, and like when you're over there, you have to go out and race, like, you know, they're paying your wages. So went out there, had to drop out on a few races because this chest infection was so bad. And then the build up to Europeans was literally crisis like management. And so I did tell myself, I always told myself like, look, you, you can win Europeans, but like you've got six, seven weeks to really get your head in gear. Because uh, that tends to be the way it is for me. It's like, you know, if my head's in a good place, then I'll run well and that's that's good. But so, yeah, I, I would probably say that because it was a lot. I had to turn around like a pretty bad situation to get into that shape. And then also 
racing like going hard in the last 2k is something that i've never really done before in a track race and like for me anyway it felt kind of ballsy um not something that i've been able to do confidence wise in a track race before and for it to pay off was like it was pretty cool it's nice it, it, it was it's you know getting the european titles one of those things i've just always wanted to do like it's it's kind of never really genuinely thought it was going to happen and so it's been quite quite handy that it did um but yeah nice man and would you say would you say you're a fan of the sport so um if there's athletics on tv or i don't know um the field events are on would you sit down and watch it it's a weird sport isn't it i'm, I'm a bit I'm a bit cynical uh i'm a bit of a i'm generally a cynical person which i think sometimes helps but then sometimes you can't be enlightened with things the way that other people are and it's like i love this sport because of everything like it's done for me and the people that i've been able to meet but like it is tough watching like crap events on tv right like and doping news every like other day and you know oh another big name's gone and so it's tough to not be a cynical person in the sport but there's little glimmers of good things happening and cool events happening and whatever but like yeah i'll always sit down to watch a diamond league like will i moan through a lot of the diamond leagues like yeah because i'll be watching it thinking like why why are they doing this like there's so much you know they say that they can't fit certain events in or they can't give long jump the time that they need but i'm currently just like looking at monaco stadium nothing going on and like there's just commentators talking about like what's going on it's like well there's clearly dead air time to actually fill things in and whatever and and kind of make it more interesting and yeah i find it i find it hard because i think a lot of people have a lot of good ideas and it's just so tough to execute or get the funding for those ideas because the kind of the people holding the power in that sense are just doing what athletics has done for years um and so yeah i think slowly but surely there's like exciting ha- things happening in athletics but like i think for the most part like it, it's, it's a bit of a tough sport to like get excited about well i think that you said there about people having good ideas there's definitely people that have got those and you know we spoke about yeah. Chris Rainsford reaching out to you and creating this whole mm-hmm. this whole hoka uh uk based uh phenomenon that's coming in terms yeah. of uh in terms of yourself let's let's role play so you're you're now yeah. the ceo of uk athletic yeah let's imagine we don't have newcastle's budget and saudi money but what would be what would three thing what would what would be the first three things that you would do if you were ceo of uk athletic uh I would hire someone who has a history of um, putting on successful events. Uh, I, I don't know what that would necessarily be. I don't know if you drag, you you go to whoever's doing Super League and you say, how much is Super League paying you? We'll pay you more. Come over here. And then we take that person and give them the power uh, in deciding what they're going to do and like, then also maybe bring in someone who's actually, this is like a horrible take because if I saw someone like hired from hired into like BA who had no idea about athletics, then I'd, you know, sometimes be a person whinging like, Oh, they don't know anything about running, whatever, whatever. But actually somebody who's like part of a, you know, a PR company or an events management company who has put those successful events on in the past and just knows how to bring a crowd in. It's half the job. Like, you've got to bring a crowd in, you've got to put events in places where people want to go and things that people want to watch, you know, like, I'm not sure if the Super League and triathlon is something that people thought was always going to take off because it's kind of like a weird form of triathlon in terms of against what the traditional was. And like, we've, we've, we haven't strayed from traditional athletics in any way in anything, I don't think. Like, road races haven't massively changed. Like, road races or road races, track races are still track races. Nothing like weird and wonderful is happening to an extent where the super league is and so the first thing i would do is hire someone like just steal someone from super league essentially um would i get on the phone to the saudis yeah you know like i think 
I think you'd you'd, you'd be hard pressed to not try and increase the budget. Uh, however, that's going to be. It's like you look at you look at what's kind of going on in golf, um, and yeah, there's a lot of controversy, but those sports are thriving. Um, and yeah, and I'm not I'm not sure what the the last thing I would do. I mean, if if like if we could have a, some some form of like documentary that genuinely follows the people in the sport, the way that like um, like the Tour de France documentary was was sick on Netflix. Like that was so good, and that is an endurance sport. Yeah, the Tour de France is on TV a lot more than athletics, or at least it gets better viewership. But like that was really good, and we can have stuff like that. But then I think we also have to have teams in athletics for anyone to show any interest it's tough to care about one individual all the time i think it's better to root for a team than it is like there's only so much you can like support mondo de Plantis, like or keely or whatever, whatever like you've got to have some sort of like team structure to it as well uh and so yeah increasing teams maybe would be my third one like make make you know the way that barcelona has an athletics team yeah like, That's give, it. I give, like give us that. a newcastle team Give us a Newcastle team and we'll get on that. Maybe that's where it's going to start. So to finish off uh, to finish off the main bulk of this interview, Rory, before we get into quick fire rounds, outside of running, do you have any passions or hobbies? Well, for a few, like, a few people listening who might already know, obviously I'm a bit of a coffee nerd. Bit of a, bit of a nerd on the old coffee. Um, do enjoy that. It's a good part of my life and it does also fuel a lot of my running uh and usually like throughout my running career i've worked in a coffee shop because usually like it's quite nice going and working with people who don't know anything about running don't ask you any questions about running and it's just like a just such a a distraction from running i enjoy that and so yeah i suppose like in terms of passion coffee weirdly is a passion um uh, I, I do have other passions i'm just I don't want to freeze on just coffee because that's going to look really, really sad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I suppose like to extent, I, I like doing stuff. Like, obviously, I used to kind of be part of tracks there, and I do enjoy initiatives such as that. We we had the Hoka and Run Club recently, uh, and I I do really enjoy working with kind of like new people on like new initiatives and stuff like that, and putting things into fruition. I like projects like that. Um, and putting together a product I, I really enjoy that um and that's something that post running I, i'd like to get into the sort of like marketing side of the sport um however that is and you see like now it's actually way more dynamic than people do think with like you know pure sport doing what they do with run clubs and attracting like all these new people into like although it's not the same sport that like necessarily we do it is like it, it, it's in that world and i think that welcoming those people in and making running seem cool is quite good so yeah i like doing those initiatives like the hope and run club and, and networking with people like that to set up more in the future and uh yeah i suppose that. i like that i like that yeah i think um yeah initiatives where you can cross brown break down break down boundaries between communities it's a, it's a difficult job but it's one that is very rewarding uh, and we're seeing it with run clubs across across the UK, especially around cities. We're seeing it all over. So that's good, mate. I like it. I like it. So we're going to round off this this, this podcast, Rory, with a quick fire round. I want you to say the first thing that pops into your head. Don't be afraid of offending anyone. Now, first one, let's imagine that you do have Saudi money. Well, even better, you've got a magic wand. What is one thing nice. that you change in athletics? Oh, um... One thing I would change in athletics. Uh, so boring, but knowing the backstories behind some of it, TV rights. It's a joke. Can you elaborate for us? Just like so many events don't get covered because like either one broadcaster or the governing body can't agree on like how they're going to cover a certain sport, or how much money it's going to cost. And it's like, 
just and then sometimes those events don't get covered because of the broadcasting issues and it's like right okay so we've missed out on another great opportunity to market the sport in some way or another or highlight a great performance uh and yeah i think just making it more accessible kind of like in terms of people actually watching it and not having I've, if i could just get rid of the politics and athletics full stop i'm not sure how that would work but that would be cool i i um i just want to summarize for our listeners i'll just give him rory a magic wand he could have picked to have the lungs of Elliot Kipchoge or the the kick of El Rouge, or he could have. Oh, it, oh, right. But, so, but oh, hang, so on, hang on, route. no, no, hang on. He wants to know the TV rights. <laughs> right, Wait, I thought you, I thought you were saying about the sport. I thought you were saying about the spot. You're you're <laughs> part of athletics, aren't you? What what's one thing you could change if you had a magic yeah, magic okay. wand? Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, then, then that's a no-brainer, isn't it? I just have everything that Inga Britson has, but just be a bit, a little bit better looking. <laughs> Which Inga Britson you're talking about, Jakob? Jakob, he's, he's got everything going for him, hasn't he? So I'll take everything he's got. It's not including like his girlfriend and all that sort of stuff. I don't want his dog or whatever. I'll just but, like, in terms of his, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I'm gonna do. I don't want his dog and I don't want his girlfriend because that gets far too personal. I want I want his, his running ability and then just to be a little bit better looking. That, that, that'll do for me. I love that. There we go. That's what we wanted to get down to, the nitty gritty of, of what <laughs> you, would actually, you, you would actually desire. Well, that, there's my true self being shown, isn't it? Yeah, bloody TV, right? Great, right, yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Number two. What is the best thing about being a professional athlete? Uh, just being paid to go out and go on a run. Like, it's, it, it's a bit of a joke, isn't it, really? It's not a real job by any means whatsoever. <laughs> uh, like, it's, not, it's not a real job. So, yeah, going being paid to come somewhere like this and go and run. Uh, around all day and then my FIFA ability is getting significantly better because uh, I've got a lot of time during the day to get better against Westy who is uh, yeah the two things that Westy's really really good at is showing up to British Champs 5k and playing FIFA that's that's his two that's his two big ones not bad not bad skill set that I like no that. it's not and what's the worst thing about being a professional athlete uh Probably like I, w- I would say just like the politics of it, like and and being within kind of like certain circles, you just kind of hear more than you you want to hear. Like I'm I'm someone who I'd quite like to live a life where I'm relatively oblivious to a lot of things, but like you just hear so much and you see so much that it's just a bit like it, it, it yeah, it, you see some dark sides of the sport and it's a little bit it's a little bit kind of sad to be in sometimes and like so yeah. That probably. What's the harsh truth, Rory, that the running world needs to hear? And it's got to be really harsh. Uh, horrible, 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 horrible I'd love to get Matt Yates on this question. That would be great. I'd love to get Yatesy to answer that question. I'd love to bring him in on the side. It would be. He'd do a better job than I would. Just like, Oh no, you, you, you can't, I think in the UK we've got a weird culture of thinking like you can get by running wise just by like either talking or not training that much. Like you see so many people just kind of like waffling about their training. It's like, well, and people saying, you know what, like it sounds harsh for people saying that they want to be really good when like they actually don't like it's hard to be like really good and it's okay. It's not for everyone. And it's not like you don't have to chase the same goals as everyone, but like, yeah, it's like you have to work very, very, very hard to make it and nothing you say or like do on the last rep of the session is like going to change that. Good man. Good advice. Fair, fair like that. And finally, Rory, to wrap this up, what's one thing that you would have liked to achieve in your life in 10 years time? um an olympic games just just an olympic games in the next in the next 10 years yeah I'd, I'd like to make an olympic games um a final 
at an Olympic Games would be fantastic. Uh, so yeah, that's basically like all I want, really. That's that's it. That's just every, nothing else matters as much no, as that. Fair. So that's that's it. But I mean, BA, if you keep your standards at twenty-seven flat, then you don't have anyone going for the ten k. So yeah, if you're listening, drop it down. Yeah, they definitely won't be listening, sadly. But yeah, no, that would be good. <laughs> that's a bit. That's a bit harsh. Do you not know how far we reach? No, I don't know. I, I know absolutely. You, you boys are up at like a hundred k now. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. That's good. Yeah, mate. We 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 are listened to in weird little circles. But hey ho. Um. But Roy, mate, what a chat. What an interview. It's been a pleasure. Um. I, I can see that the sun is shining in Font Romeo, so enjoy the rest of your afternoon and best of luck at the 10K at the weekend as well. Yeah, appreciate it, mate. And thank you for your time again. It's cool getting back on Trackster for a little bit. So, yeah, nice one. Have have a good rest of your week. It is a Wednesday. So, yeah, enjoy enjoy the second half of your week. And, uh, yeah, chat soon. All right, bro. See you around, man. All right, runners, that is another episode of the Tracks the Podcast wrapped up. This is the podcast where we talk all things running, the highs, the lows, the ugly bits, and, of course, everything in between. Big thank you to Rory Lennon for joining us on today's show, and a massive good luck to him in his upcoming races that we discussed in this episode. If you have enjoyed the listen, please do leave us a review, because that supports our show massively. My name is Lloyd. I've been your host for today's episode. I'll catch you down the road for a run and a chat. But in the meantime, have a good week.